want to thank uh, many of you who've reached out to our family and uh, the loss of Aaron's dad, and uh, we really appreciate that. Thank you so much for that, and uh, we're not sure of any uh, whatever details as far as like a funeral or anything goes yet, but uh, if we, when we find that out, we'll let you know. Um, but I uh, uh, just want to say thank you. Thank you especially for those of you that reached out, have reached out to her and have been helping in small ways in the last few days or even some big ways uh, some folks have, which has been awesome. Um, I've, got, uh, I've got a need. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there, uh, and I don't often throw a need like this out on a Sunday morning during a message, but uh, we've, got a, we've got a fellow in our church who used to come uh, regularly um, and then... Uh, some time ago, and we didn't we didn't know anything about any of this happening until uh, he came recently with a caregiver. Um, uh, he re- suffered uh, a major brain injury due to uh, being hit. Uh, being, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure of the details, but basically, uh, he can't he can't drive himself and that kind of thing. He really wants to come to church. Um, he lives over in the Springfield area. Um, near one of the golf courses. Uh, forgive me for not remembering the name of that. But um, anyway, uh, if you have interest in helping us, uh, just if you know if you attend regularly and you would like to go get him and bring him and take him home, I know he would love that. He's asking for it. Uh, he's had a caregiver bring him a couple times, but he doesn't have that person uh, now. And uh, you know, it's basically he lives. He does live on his own. He can walk. Uh, he does have a wheelchair. It folds up and would need to be put in the back of your car or whatever it may be. But uh, uh, just a great guy, and he loves the church, and uh, he loves Jesus, and he would love to be here with us. So uh, if that sounds like something you're interested in helping uh, you know, fill a need with, uh, let us know. Uh, in fact, I'll just say go see him at the front desk and tell him uh, you want to you wanna, uh, check into that, and we'll get you the information and all that good stuff. Um, and then uh, we have we have a young man that is in our community that uh, is lost, a 14-year-old uh, named Zachary. And I just I just really felt led for us before we went any further uh, in the morning for us to pray for him and pray for his family right now. Let's do that. God, we come to you, and uh, man, we we lift up Zachary to you right now. We lift up his family right now, Lord. We can only imagine what they're going through, and uh, Lord, you know. Uh, you know what it's like uh, to be without your son. Lord, I pray uh, for Zachary. I pray that you would be with him wherever he is. I pray that you would keep him safe, that you would protect him, that you would return him to his family. Um, God, help those that are trying to, to find him. And uh, God, just uh, uh, help us to come around this family if they need that. Uh, God, thank you that we can come and that we can ask these things. Uh, Lord, be with the authorities uh, as, as they are also searching. Have your hand on them. Again, have your hand on this family during this time. And uh, God, we ask all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't know that family. Uh, I just know that that's a, that's a family from here, from here in Pleasant View. So um, anyway, uh, I want to jump into this today if we can. We're in this study on the book of Peter, on the book of Peter, on uh, the life of Peter. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, I've, I've enjoyed this. I, I've had a lot, of, a lot of you talk to me about it uh, uh, somebody last week was like, oh, you're, you were preaching to me today. And I said, no, I was just preaching to me. And uh, so I, I learned a long time ago, if I can preach to me, it usually works out for, uh, uh, you know, somebody else. But uh, uh, that's usually true. I'm usually preaching to me. So, um, 
But uh, this, uh, this passage that we're studying on today, also in the book of Matthew, in fact, if you've got a Bible and you want to get it out, or if you need our ushers to bring you one, they will just throw your hand up. If you don't own one, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to take it and uh, consider it a gift. But uh, uh, we're going to Matthew 16, and here we are jumping around again, just when you thought we were kind of you know, streamlining the deal and, and sticking to the, to the life of Peter in uh, succession of you know, how it happened. Uh, that's not the case today. We're going backwards again uh, to this passage uh, that we've got today, which is uh, a great passage, um, and it holds for us some important truths uh, about our faith. And, uh, and about Peter's life, for sure. Uh, you know, Peter, it's so interesting, you know, to get to be, you know, I can't imagine, you know, what it must have been like to be a disciple of Jesus. These guys laid down everything and just took off and followed the Lord. You know, but then even in that, you know, that there were some that were closer to Jesus than others, and Peter was one of those. And uh, for Jesus to say some of the things that he says to Peter here in this passage, I think is pretty amazing, uh, and I can imagine only imagine uh, being like Peter. I, I think I think I would probably feel like I feel a lot of days of my my walk as a as a believer as a Christian, which is uh, I am so not worthy of this, and I am such an idiot. Uh, and I feel like Peter probably, if I had to guess, he probably you know had a lot of those moments where he was feeling that way. Uh, and I, I'm betting that this was one of those days uh, here as we study through this passage, but. Uh, uh, you know, what we get here is we get a calling. Uh, you know, Peter is given a calling uh, here. I, you know, I, I have this conversation. I've had this conversation with a lot of people about uh, Peter's calling and uh, our calling. And, you know, everybody, everybody wants to know what's God calling me to do, you know, right? And that's the, that's the big question. And uh, I, used to, I used to every summer work with students that felt called to ministry and work through what does it look like to, uh, you know, pursue that and uh, to do that and all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, throughout, you know, those summers of doing that, you know, one of the things that just kind of came to me in, in, in realizing is, is that we're all called. We're all called ministers of the gospel. And, uh, and this passage actually plays a little piece of that, I think, into even our calling. Uh, but it definitely plays into Peter's calling, uh, and we see that. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Matthew 16, verse 13. Uh, and it says this. It says, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This passage is, is got a lot of stuff going on in it, good, a lot of good stuff going on in it. And, uh, and if we go back to the very first verse there, in verse 13, we see Jesus, uh, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, 
who do you say that the Son of Man is? So this is a, this is a question. And, he's, and it's a little bit of a testing with the disciples. Like, are you guys tracking at this point? Do you have a clue of what's going on? We've been doing this for a while. Are you with me? Are your ears on? You know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, an inter- it's an interesting, you know, play of, of words here and, and even just where they are. So Caesarea Philippi um, was... Uh, this city where basically there was a lot of worship going on, but it wasn't worship to the living God. It was worship to man-made gods. Uh, in fact, uh, it was known for being a place of worship for, uh, for Baal, uh, for Pan, which was a Greek god. In fact, if you go to that area, even to today, uh, you can even still see today uh, you know, carved out into the sides of mountains and made into caves, places of worship for uh, some of these things. Uh, it was also a place of worship for Caesar, who's gone at this point. Uh, you know, but I mean, it's just, just this reminder of like just how desperate man is to like find something to latch on to sometimes, uh, you know, and uh, they they were just you know they were just like covering the bases like let's just let's just worship them all you know some of these people were like you know they weren't like hey let's just pick you know which one we think is the best it was a, some of, sometimes it was an approach of like let's just let's just worship everything and if we worship everything we'll have our bases covered right and so Jesus brings them to this place I think this is intentional uh, you know where they're surrounded I mean think about this. You know, they're surrounded with these things going on. And then he poses the question, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, we kind of covered this a little bit uh, in the Transfiguration, which we talked about, uh, you know, here a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, when we talked about that, uh, we, t- you know, we saw Moses and Elijah actually come back. That's actually shortly after this passage here to kind of give you a timeline of where we are uh, in the life of Jesus and Peter. And, uh, you know, they, you know, remember the disciples asked this question, like, what's the deal with Elijah? I thought, we thought, you know, uh, people, people still say that Elijah is going to come, that he's going to, you know, be the, be the one to kind of front this whole thing. And, and he's like, no, 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 that was John the Baptist and you know, all these kinds of things. And so here, we're bringing, you know, they're bringing this up you know, as to what other people are saying. They're not saying they believe this. They're saying other people believe this, right? And then in verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? Now that's the question of the day. That's the question for every one of us. Who do we, who do I, who do you say Jesus is? And so as he's asking this question, surrounded by, you know, all these other people worshiping all these other gods, Peter jumps. Peter, Peter's the guy of the bunch that has no filter, I'm pretty sure. Like, he's, he's that guy. Like, you know, he's, he's the first one to jump up with the answer. He's the first one to cut somebody's ear off, you know? I mean, I mean he's, you know, you know, he's like, I'll take a swing, I'll take a stab. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, Peter is game on, right? I mean, he is, he's ready. 
And, uh, and so Peter, you know, jumps at this question. He says, and says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, if you go back to, you know, his answer in verse 16, you know, what we're seeing here is that Peter is, Peter is confessing in this moment, out loud, with his lips, that he believes Jesus is the one, that he is the Messiah. What he's saying is he's saying, you know, again, this is a little different for us because we have all of Scripture. You know, they had some Scriptures and they had all this prophetic teaching of this Messiah to come. He's saying, I believe you're that guy. I believe that you're the guy that everybody's been waiting for and, and he's saying that, again, in an area where there's all kinds of people worshiping other things. And it's not like he's going with the flow. He's saying something that people aren't saying. He's saying, I believe this even if everybody else isn't believing it. And it goes on, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah, by the way, is the, the Aramaic of that is Simon, son of Jonah. It's not yet another name for Peter because Jesus kept giving names to Peter, right? Um, you know, but it's, it's just, you know, he's, he's, it's, it's interesting because if you look at the verse, what's happening here? Jesus is making a statement about this. He's saying, blessed are you. He's not saying blessed are you for having, you know, Jonah as your dad. No, he's saying, you know, blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What, what, what is he getting at here? What's he talking about here? Well, he, he's bringing up that who Peter's earthly father was, right? But then he's also at the same time indicating that it wasn't man who taught him this. It wasn't man who helped him to understand this. In fact, he's saying, my father, not your father, not anybody else's father, but my father. Jesus is saying, my father, the father, God in heaven has showed you, has revealed to you this revelation of who I am, and blessed are you for receiving that revelation. Blessed are you for understanding who I am, that you got the gift from my Father that you would understand who I am. This is, this is big. This is huge. You know. I, I, by the way, I think this is, this is still true for us today, that, that the Lord reveals himself to us. He reveals himself to us. Now, oftentimes he uses things, and the most common of which I would say is the preaching and teaching of the gospel, you know, had this conversation with somebody recently uh, who's been attending 24, and they don't believe in a, about a couple of things the way that I would believe Scripture to teach about lifestyle choices and things like that. But they, they thanked me. They said, thank you for allowing me to be here. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I love that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. They're like, well, I mean, you know, you know we don't agree on some of these things, you know, and, and I said, yeah, I said, but you know, what, what kind of, what kind of pastor, what kind of believer, what kind of Christian am I? What kind of Jesus follower am I? 
if I wouldn't want you to be here, if I believe that you are not believing correctly of what Scripture says about how we live our life, then how would I ever expect that to change if you are not getting to sit under and hear the preaching and the teaching of the gospel? To let God change your heart. I'm not going to change your heart. And I don't want to try to change your heart. That's the Lord's job. He reveals to us who He is. He shows us these things. That's why we spend time with the Lord. You know, you spend like some legit time with the Lord, praying in the Word, maybe, you know, even at worship, you know, different things. That when we do that, a lot of times, that's when all of a sudden it comes to light these things, these struggles, these sins that we have in our lives. And it's not because, you know, God loves us to you know, feel bad about ourselves or wants us to be in a constant guilt trip or something. It's because those things kind of rise to the top. He is perfect and we are not. And you put something that's not perfect next to something that is, it becomes very obvious. We see those things start to come out in our lives. We're like, oh my gosh, uh, that's not, that's not good in me. I need to let the Lord work on that. I need to let the Lord heal me and, 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 and free me from that. And by the way, he has freed us from that through the cross, through the blood of Jesus shed. For us, we have been freed. We've been set free. We are no longer slaves to sin. It goes on, this passage. Um, he says in verse 18, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We love this, right? We, we love this, like the gates of hell will not prevail prevail against it you know we're, we're like we're all about that we're like that's right we're going to roll over that sucker right well this is a hugely controversial verse this verse holds for us truth that is held by other people to be believed in different ways uh, and I want to talk about that for just a minute uh, you know, first of all, uh, Catholicism takes this verse as kind of their verse for them, not kind of, they do take this verse as, as their verse for believing that Peter was the first pope. You know, they, they see this as like, this was Jesus saying to Peter, you know, you're the rock, I'm going to build my church on you, and, you know, all these things. And, and they take it as that he's going to be the pope, basically kind of this uh, you know, uh, Bishop of Rome, Antioch area, whatever, and that he is this representation of Jesus to then lead the church, you know, kind of thing. Well, um, you have to, you'd have to add a lot to this to really get it to say that. But that's what they believe. And I'm, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I'm just, you know, trying to educate here a little bit. Then you have other Protestants, right, not necessarily us or whatever, who take this to mean that Jesus is actually talking about himself. Um, and I think that this is actually kind of a, uh, a reaction to the thing that I just told you about, that Catholics believe that, you know, this is Jesus saying that he's going to be the, the, the first pope and all this kind of deal. Uh, that, you know, a lot of other Protestants are like, no, 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 it's not about Peter, it's about Jesus. And it is about Jesus, okay? Let's be clear about that. But... If you are looking at the Scripture, and I think that that's what we always need to be doing, if we're looking at the Scripture and we're seeing how this thing plays out and we're seeing what takes possession of what words and whatnot here in this passage, what you have, if you study this, 
is that you see Peter, which is a name that Jesus gave to him, right? The Greek of Peter is the word Petros, which means stone, okay? And so it's like Jesus is saying here, um, you know, you are Peter, you are stone, and on this rock I will build my church. Peter does have in the sentence there, if you want to, you know, spend your time in your Greek New Testament and, you know, get that out and go for it, uh, Peter is what takes the possession of the word rock here in this line of talk here that Jesus is sharing. And so what we can understand about this is he is talking about Peter. And he's using this, you know, you know, he, he named Peter, you know, in this whole, you know, stone thing and whatnot. And it goes even deeper than that. Uh, but what we see is we see Peter being referred to as the rock in which Jesus is going to build his church. And you may say, well, you know, I think, I think Jesus is the rock. He, he is the rock. You're right. He is. But in this particular situation, Jesus is saying that Peter is a rock and he's going to use Peter and build his church on him too. And to even further clarify, you and I are also rocks in which Jesus is going to build his church on. You cannot deny the things in which Jesus ends up using Peter to do for the beginning of the church, okay? And so this understanding that Peter would be this guy that Jesus would call, getting back to that calling thing, right? That Jesus was going to call to do some special things. And you may say, well, Chris, what kind of special things is Peter going to do? I'm glad you asked. So in Scripture, and, and I'll let you go you know, check it out for yourself, uh, but we can't deny how the Lord uses Peter in the days to come to raise up his church just alone. We see him be the first one to preach to the Jews in Acts chapter 2. We see him to be the first person to preach to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. And we see him be the first person to preach to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. He is like a movement. He is going out and he is doing this. And by the way, Acts 2, if you are you know, not remembering what Acts 2 is, Acts 2 is where thousands come to know the Lord. Like it is this huge movement to start the beginning of the church. Huge, huge deal. What Jesus is not doing is he's not giving Peter any some sort of, you know, God-like persona, okay? He's still Peter. He's still our guy. You say, Chris, how do you know that? He's going to deny Jesus. We haven't even got to that yet. That's the same guy. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, man, Jesus, of all the people that you're going to call to be the guy to build your church on, you're calling this guy? The guy that's going to deny you three times? Who says he won't and then he does? You're going to use that guy? Yeah. Folks, he'll use you to do whatever he wants to do if you'll let him. 
He will use anybody he chooses to use. And I truly believe with my heart that so many times he purposely chooses the people that we think he can't use. People that we think are kind of worthless to society, those are the kind of people that that the Lord looks at and says, you know what, I'm going to do something special through that person. And he takes Peter and uses him to do these amazing things to push forward the beginning of the early church. Verse 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is Jesus giving authority to move forward to do the work of the ministry not so he'd be the one okay not because he's like the chosen one he's still just peter he's just like me and you but he's setting a precedent for us all not somebody that has special access to god as a priest or a pope no we don't We don't need special access to God except through Jesus, okay? Like any one of us can have access to the Lord through Christ, through through knowing Him, through trusting in Him, believing in Him, surrendering to Him. It's a beautiful thing that God is doing to allow us to be a part of His family and to have a relationship with Him. That's what Jesus is doing here. The, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's Jesus' way of saying, Peter, I'm calling you to do this, and I want you to go out there and charge hell with a water pistol. I don't want you to worry about the evil one. I want you to know that I'm going to lead you, and I want you to let me lead you, and I want you to let me guide you. And I've got this. You don't need to have this. I've got this. Because the gates of hell are nothing against the Lord. Satan is nothing against the Lord. He will lose every single time. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Go to verse 20 and it says, Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So, and I, you know, commentary, whatnot, mostly says, you know, this is about... Jesus not wanting to muddy the waters, that there were so many people throwing around the word Messiah, uh, you know, and not really understanding what that meant, that this was Jesus just saying, hey, let's just, let's just keep going here. We got, a, we got a plan, okay? And then Jesus starts to share the plan right here in the next verse. And I want to go right to that in verse 21. And in verse 21, it says, from that time, we're going to read this little section here, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Again, this is the guy that Jesus is going to call 
you know, to build the church on. He's going to be the rock. He's going to be the beginning of this thing to take off and run with it. And what do we have? Starting in verse 21, from that time, you know, which is, you know, really kind of, this is kind of a, this is kind of a, a change in Jesus' ministry because at this point, Jesus doesn't mix words from here on out. From this time forward in Jesus' ministry, it's like we're headed toward the cross. That's, that's what we're doing now. This is, all, this is all about. And so he spends his time here trying to help prepare his guys. Hey, you know, we've, I've got a cross to bear. It's coming. You know, what's it say? From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be, uh, uh, be raised. You know, so this is Jesus just putting it out there. And then, of course, you know, Captain No Filter, verse 22, right here. And it says, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. I, I would, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for this conversation. I, I, you know, I just, I wonder if, like, Jesus had facial expressions like we do, Right? Like when, like, is because like when when Peter starts in on this little deal, like you know, uh, Jesus, uh, let's go over here and talk for a second, you know. And so they, you know, kind of go over to the side. Hey, buddy, um, I'm not sure, you know. I know it's been a rough last couple of days, you know, here, but uh, you know, maybe uh, now I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, that, that that's not going to happen because you're Jesus, so nobody's killing you. You're not going to get hurt. Nobody, you're, there's no suffering for you. You're the son of God. Like, I just said it, and you just, and you, just you know, commended me for saying it. In fact, you said that your father is the one who explained that to me. So I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, and really what we have here with Peter is we have this situation where Peter, you know, takes him aside to rebuke him, which, by the way, you didn't do for any teacher back then. And in this situation, you know, I'm, you know, this isn't any teacher, this is the Lord. Uh, you know, Peter's got some guts here, but really what it comes down to is that Peter didn't want to imagine that Jesus would have to suffer because Jesus is his boy. And he's like, man, that, that's not happening. And this is where we start, we're seeing, you know, as we've seen a little bit throughout, you know, Peter's life already, but we're starting to see some of these moments where Peter's like, no, no, they're not. I got a sword with their name on it, right? We'll see how good he is with that. And Peter is just refusing in this moment to believe that this could be true, which is very similar to us. A lot of times, I think, we don't want things to be true that are true, that are part of the plan that the Lord has for life. I know I feel that way sometimes. And I think that's where Peter's at. He's in denial. I mean, what, you know, I mean, if, if, if I was to pull Peter aside at this point, I'd be like, hey, hey, Peter, before you say anything else, come over here. Let's talk about this for a minute. I mean, uh, this is Jesus. You know, I know you know he's the Lord, right? Uh, you, just, you just said it, right? You're like, you beat everybody else to the punchline. Good for you, right? Okay, don't mess this up. Okay, like you got a good thing going, like don't don't jack it up now. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't think that Jesus is going to start lying to you now. 
Like he's, you know, he's, he's not going to, you know, he's everything, he, everything else he says has been true, right? Like we've seen it. You know, he says something. They're, you know, dead people, they're okay. They're not dead. They're alive. I mean, it's all the things, right? How many things have we seen? And really, Peter is just as bent on he wants it his way. Just like us. In verse 23, it says, But he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus is not saying that Peter is literally Satan, okay? But he's saying the words from his mouth are. He's saying... You want to believe something despite the fact that I just told you what is true. I think about how many times in our walk with the Lord that happens for us. Like we know without a shadow of a doubt that God would lead us according to His Scripture to understand, to do this thing. But we look at that thing and go, no, that's not what I want to do. I want to do this. Let's do this instead, right? And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. I mean, he says, For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter still believed in Jesus. How could he not believe him in this moment? He's seen some stuff. But just like the rest of us, he wanted things his way. We want our Jesus our way sometimes, right? If we're just being honest with ourselves. We're like, man, I just, you know, we cut out some of this, you know, that's like, you know, oh, Jesus says I need to do this. Jesus says, I, you know, this is important. I need community with other believers. I need, you know, I need to serve him. I need to worship him. I, you know, I, well, you know, I don't have time for all these things. You know, I, just want, I, just want, I just want my Jesus my way. I just want some Sunday morning Jesus, right? Can I just get some Sunday morning Jesus? I just like, you know, some ATM Jesus. Like, can I just get, it, get, get some Jesus when I need him, and then that's fine. I'll go on. That's a relationship. It's a relationship. If you've got people that are close to you in your life, you probably generally don't talk to them once a week. Right? It's a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with us. He cares for us. He loves us. He has has things for us where he, He wants to guide us. But we have to get out of this mindset of what Jesus says to Peter, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus wants us to follow him. He's got a better plan. He's got a better way. Instead of us saying, okay, God, here's what I want to do. Will you bless it? He's saying, no, 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 no. Throw all that out the window. I want you to come to me let me lead you in life. What it looks like to follow me through all the things.
Peter was blessed. He was blessed to have God reveal to him who Jesus is. But really, you know, I, I come back to it. I'm like, really? This, this knucklehead? Like, this knucklehead is the one that we're going to build the church on? And, and we're reminded here in this moment that it's not about what we can do. It's about what Jesus did. We can't earn it. It's all grace. It's all a gift. It's all Jesus. All we have is our faith. To trust Him. And today, I ask this question, you know, would you surrender what you want and let God have His way in your life today? What is it you want? What is it that's so important that it's taking all your thought process, all your time, maybe it's taking all your money, I don't know, whatever it is, it's usually what we're worshiping, those are pretty good tells. Just like Peter is called the rock, it reminds us that we as sinners can be called holy. Peter, no better than us. We're no better than him. Which is also a reminder that the good news of the gospel is really good. Because it's not based on us being great. Because we're not great. We're sinners. We mess up. And that's okay. Ephesians 2.20 says this, it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being, uh, him, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Peter may be the rock Jesus would use, but Jesus would always be the cornerstone. Peter was a rock. Jesus is the rock. And God is calling you and me to also be rocks, to be a part of the church, to represent Jesus, to lead others to him. This thing that's built from sinners who've been redeemed, the Jew, the Gentile, the Samaritan, every race. And how crazy is it to think that God could take all these messed up people and build something with it for His glory and that the gates of hell couldn't prevail against it. I mean, that's, that's a God thing. That's not an us thing. That's not a programming thing. Who do you say Jesus is? Is it a fairy tale? Is he a prophet? Is he a good teacher? Or is he the Son of God? Is he the Messiah sent here to save us? To give us life? to pay the ransom for anybody who would believe to forgive us of our sins. 
to fulfill the promises of Scripture. Who is He? Our calling as believers today is to make Him known. But the truth is, is first, you have to know Him. So go back to that question, what do you believe? That Jesus asked the disciples. What do you believe? And this morning, if you have never believed, never surrendered your life to Jesus, never trusted in Him to be your Savior, I would love to talk to you about that. I'm going to go to the foyer as soon as I walk off the stage. And we're going to have the Lord's Supper today and remember the sacrifice in which Christ made for us. And I part with you these words. It's through faith alone, in Christ alone, He paid it all. He paid, we receive, if we believe. Let's pray together. God, we come to you now, and God, I just pray for anyone, Lord, that is not trusted in you, not believed in you with their heart. That, Lord, today that they would trust in you, that they would believe in you. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself like you did to Peter. God, I pray that you would help them to see who you are, and God, I pray that you would save them. I pray that they would know that you love them and that you sent your son to die for them. God, I pray that they would trust in you. God, for those of us who are believers today, God, I pray that we would make you known, that we would follow you to the ends of the earth, that we would be reminded of the truth that the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church, God, that you've called us to be a part of. God, help us. Help us to believe that and live that on a daily basis. Lord, be glorified in the moments ahead as we spend some time thinking about you and what you did in sending your son to die for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.